if you have Bibles and want to turn there, we're doing something new today. We get to start something new for the month of November, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I, it's the book of Ruth, and if you're looking for Ruth in your Bible, and you say, hey, I want to follow along in this amazing book in the Old Testament, you would go to Judges and go to the end of Judges and before 1 Samuel, and you'll find it. Ruth. I recently sort of reviewed this book real briefly in the class. We're doing Tuesday nights where we do one book an an evening, and we just spent a little time on it. But I got really excited reading through it about the message of Ruth for you and me. We're coming off of Galatians and the wonder of freedom in Christ and the wonderful, amazing depth of the gospel. And you might say, well, what does an Old Testament book like Ruth have to help us at all? And if you say that, you're dumb like me. Because it's amazing and cool. These books of the Bible that are there for your, you and me to understand the amazing, fabulous message of a God who's for us. A sovereign God who knows what he's doing. A God who loves us. And yet, a God who works in ways we absolutely do not understand. And can't. I mean, that's our thing. Really, that last one's the hardest for most of us. I know for me, everybody's got a story. You've got a story. Your life and the things that happen in your life are your story, how your life plays out. And and sometimes when we use big words, I mean, we say, oh, I know the gospel. Jesus Christ died for you and he died on a cross and and he rose from the dead. and, And we use words like justification and sanctification and adoption. Those are big theological words. But how do they connect to your story? To your actual life that you live? What, what, what does God actually feel towards us? What's his heart for us in the midst of our stories? The Bible's full of stories, right? I mean, Cain and Abel, Noah and the ark. You, you've got throughout, you've got Jacob wrestling with God. You've got Joseph in his many-colored coat. That's just Genesis. And then you've got, I mean, you can, you can think of them, right? Sunday school stories, Daniel in the lion's den, David killing Goliath. These are all stories. Jair with the tent peg. Ehud, the left-handed cool judge, putting his knife into the big fat king. You're like, yeah, they're almost comical, some of them. But they show God at work. They're more than just entertainment, right? They're these amazing, amazing stories. And and so when I say you've got a story, that means something pretty remarkable. God's at work in your life. How? What is that? What does it look like? So this story that we get to see is Remarkable because the story of what God is doing, and, and it seems small until, until at the end, all of a sudden, it's the biggest story ever. That's Ruth to some degree. And, and that's a bit why we're doing today at this story, this book. You've, you've probably heard of Ruth. I mean, if you've been around Christian circles at all, it's a, it's, it's a story that's easy to read. It's only four chapters long in our Bibles. Say, I I know Ruth. It's about her being loyal to her mother-in-law, and it's about her finding a husband. And and, and yes, that's that's true. She she does those things. 
but I don't know how much you know about this book. <laughs> do, do you know? It's a really important little book. It's one of only a few books that's read every single year if you're a Jew at a particular time. At the time of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, that's 50 days after Passover, they stand up and they read the book of Ruth. Well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder why. Uh, it, you know, it's not just a story about Ruth finding a husband, she does, or or her amazing statement of loyalty to Naomi, her mother-in-law. She, she, she has that. It reveals the heart of God for you and me. What's going on underneath the surface of our lives? Okay, so today I've titled this, Come Home. This is Ruth chapter 1. And it's for you and me to rest our hearts that we might come home to our dad. I don't know where you are. I don't know where your mind goes with the circumstances in your life, the things that have happened to you, the things that are going on right now. We all have a story. And we filter it. And so my statement today from the scriptures, would would you come home and be encouraged by this story, which is for you? Okay, that's Ruth. And that's what we're going through as we go through chapter 1. Here we do. First, the setting. This is uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 in Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Okay, let me just take a minute for you because this is we're going to spend several weeks on this, this story. Making sure you understand the setting. I want to say just three things to make sure you understand as we place this book in the Bible where, where it's at. One is the first phrase, in the days when the judges ruled. So remember that time? If you're a Bible student at all, you can remember that there was no king, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's kind of the book of Judges. God had given the people the promised land, and, and then they'd gone into the promised land, but they didn't obey him totally, and they mixed with the peoples there. They got led astray, and then over and over this cycle where they would cry out to God, and, and, and God would raise up a judge to deliver them, and, and then they would have a period of peace, and they would wander away again. It's actually more like a spiral because each of the judges gets worse and worse in terms of their moral quality and character. You start out with Othniel, he was amazing, but you end up with Samson, and Samson's biggest claim to fame is he killed more people when he died than when he lived. So that's where they're at. It ends with this total chaos of people doing whatever sounds like today. So so, so this first phrase in our English Bibles there, well, the days when the judges ruled, is why people put Ruth after Judges and before Samuel. So you actually have this, this idea that, that because it's going to end with, this is hopefully not breaking the story, Ruth is going to be related to David, that it brings a transition from, from the judges, in the days of the judges, to the coming of King David. Super cool. You know that's not where it is in the Hebrew Bible. Oh, well, maybe that's important. In the Hebrew Bible, it comes after the book of Proverbs. Well, that's kind of interesting. Why would it be there? Do you guys know the end of Proverbs, chapter 31? Very famous passage. It's called the Proverbs 31 woman. 
about how awesome that this woman who she 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 does real estate she she's out there in the marketplace she's raising her children she's doing everything and all her husband praises her and then her kids rise up and call her blessed remember that so it's important for you and me to understand as we boy have you ever heard a talk on the wonder of being a proverbs 31 woman i i I know that doesn't apply to me we're not talking about gender roles we're talking about how amazing that person is that's wisely raised up in Proverbs 31. Then following that comes a story, the book of Ruth. And so that's, that's the second thing. So the first thing I want to see, this is day of the judges. Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. The second thing is it's, it's following Proverbs and Proverbs 31. And the third thing is, and it's important and connected to number two. Who's the main character? So if you're going to read this with me, you say, I want to understand the Bible. People take stuff all out of context all the time. We're going to keep it in context. We're going to look at what's there. And you read and you look at what Ruth is about. It is about a woman named who? And if you say Ruth, I got one of those big X's. You know, the crisis writer or whatever. It's about Naomi. A woman named Naomi. Now, Ruth is about the redemption of a woman named Naomi. Ruth is about this woman, and she'll start the, the thing, she'll end the thing, she'll be, she'll be named all the way through. It's her and her story. Ruth is there. She's a main character. Don't get me wrong. But, but, but when you start thinking Proverbs 31, and you're followed by this woman that we're going to follow named Naomi, you need to make sure as you go through that you're making the links on what Proverbs 31 would mean to a woman like Naomi. Because it's shockingly different than what you might think. Our God is at work in ways that are remarkable. Okay, I want you to get that setting. I just want to throw it out there for you to chew on because we're going to spend some weeks going through this and, and you're going to see kind of the, the interactions that we're going to have around this. But that's the main setting that I was hoping for you to get. The focus on a woman named Naomi. So this incredible work of God in the days of chaos, the judges, a nod to the Proverbs 31 woman, and armed with knowing that it's focused on Naomi, we're ready more to dive in. Let's, let's read this again. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Okay, this is the setting of the story. The story hasn't really even started yet. And we start off with no names, just with this happened. And what do you think? The guy's going to do a little push-pull in the congregation. Like, oh, man, so there's a famine. And so he left Bethlehem. He went to Moab. If you're a Jewish reader, which is the original context of this, you'd be going, "Uh uh-oh. Why? Because... Well, there's a famine. That means God's judging the land. They're being disobedient. Okay. But, but then what was their response? It was not crying out to God. Their response is, let's go where the food is. And they go to Moab. And if you're a student of the Bible at all, you know, leaving Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? House of bread. Where David and where Jesus going to be. And going to Moab. You know anything about Moab from the Old Testament? We do. 
Yeah, yeah, Moab started with an incestuous relationship between Lot and his eldest daughter. They, they, they took this land and the people that go there, and they were against God and his people. There's King Balak, remember him? He's trying to, get, trying to get the prophet to curse Israel. He can't do it because God won't let him. In Numbers 22, Numbers 25, their women are, are stealing away the guys to, to, to worship foreign gods. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, no, Moses says, don't you intermingle with that, those people at all. In chapter 23 of Deuteronomy, it says that the, the, a Moabite can't come into the presence of God for 10 generations. So, our story starts. There's famine, and a man decides, I think I'm going to go leave the land God gave me, the house of bread, and go to Moab, the place I shouldn't ever go. Well, it's just a sojourn, Dex. He's just getting picking up some, some bread and some food and coming back, right? No. He's going to live there. That, that's our context. So going in, we're going, man, this is not going to go well for him. This is, this is kind of a reverse Abraham maneuver. Like, like God called Abraham out of his land into the promised land of God. This is like, I'm going back where the grass is greener. Who are these people? Who are these people? Well, this is our cast for our play in four acts that we're going to do. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. Oh, you poor people. So we're just starting this story. But we're given the names. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the cast. This is going to be the people we're going to be interacting with. There's Elimelech. That, these names are important. They actually have meaning in Hebrew. So Elimelech means, my God is king. My God is king, leaving Bethlehem to go to Moab. <laughs> Naomi, his wife, her name means pleasant. And then the two kids, Malon and Chilion, means sickly and pining. Bummer, dude. <laughs> I thought Dax was tough. <laughs> you know, you name your kid sickly. Oh no. But it's kind of foreshadowing. Because just just, just for sure. They were Ephrathites, don't get put off by the big word. It just means they're of the tribe of Judah. They lived in the land of Judah. That's where Bethlehem is. And they went to the country of Moab. They left and they stayed in Moab. Godless place. That's that's where they were. Okay. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. I guess he won't be in the cast. (laughs) And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. Okay, so Elimelech, my goddess king, is gone. But we still got Naomi, who's pleasant, and now she's got uh, her kids that took Moabite wives, which you also weren't supposed to do. Ah, whatever. Then there's Orpah, whose name means neck. Don't know why. And there's Ruth, whose name means friendly. Okay, that's, that's, that's so far. This is our cast as we go through. Of course, it's not done. They lived there about 10 years. And then both Malon and Kilion died. So the woman was left 
without her two sons and her husband. Okay, again, okay, so, yeah, they were bad names anyway. But now the husbands are gone, and they're out, and you just now have Naomi and the two daughter-in-laws. And I want you to see, you see, right, as we start the story, who's the main person? The woman was left with her two daughter-in-laws. That, that means that's Naomi. This is Naomi's story. She's an Israelite. She's of the tribe of Judah. She's from Bethlehem. She's childless. She's husbandless. She has two foreign daughters-in-law. And we're left here with Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. We haven't met Boaz yet. He's going to be the other main character. And, 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 and somebody that they actually call in the, all the commentaries, Mr. So-and-so. We'll meet him later. But, but, but Naomi, right? The main character. She's wandered far. She's isolated. She's cursed by her own choices, no less. She's, she's not where she should be. She's cursed by that, some senses. So for the rest of the story, we, we, this is going to be our setting for the logic that we have in the cast that we have. That's, uh, that's this third thing. So the logic, at least uh, let me float it out there and see if you can follow me. If you're stupid and you leave the house of Israel, you will be cursed. If you disobey what God has told you to do, if, if you don't live your life according to the principles that God has set out clearly for you, then what can I do for you? Says God. Naomi made her bed. Honestly. Come up with lots of excuses, but meh. Try and figure out, oh, you know, she's just following her husband or her heart was really good. No, 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 no. There's, there's, there's no explanation in the text to try and get you to figure out why and find some good stuff in Naomi. She just, they, just a bald statement of what they did and what happened to them. And it makes sense logically to me. They, they did the wrong thing. They got, they reaped what they sowed. I, boy, that sounds like something we've talked about before. Okay. So then this happens. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So this is really the start of the story, because the setting is their utter foolishness and leaving God's land of blessing for the seemingly fairer shores of Moab. And, and, And now she decides to go back, to come home. Because her heart was soft and she loved the... Oh, no. Actually, because she heard there's food there. What a waste of my life. God made a famine happen. I had to go to Moab. And then when I was in Moab, now he's given food over there and I got to go back. But in the meantime, my husband is dead. My kids are dead. It's terrible. Yeah, I deserve it. But you might be mad at someone. Who might you be mad at? God! What is he doing to me? Right? This is not, if she decides to go back, it's not some positive, energetic, return to the Lord. Oh man, I'm the prodigal, I'm hoping my dad will embrace me. No, this is like defeated, down, 
sad, weary, broken. I've lost everything. I have nothing. I guess I'll go and try to not die and go see if I can eat somewhere else. So she set out on this place, right? Where she was with her two daughters-in-law. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. She's heading out. But she's defeated. So she didn't want her these daughter hanging on Moabite people coming with her. So she says to her daughter-in-laws, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. You don't want to be around me. He hasn't dealt kindly with me. Maybe he'll deal kindly with you because you've been kind to me. You're good, but I'm not. The Lord grant that you might find rest each with of you in the house of her husband. That means I hope you find another guy. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept. I hope you find husbands. I hope God deals kindly with you. He sure hasn't with me, but you're a good people. I hope you find rest. I don't, I don't have any rest. Go. Pretty logical. And they said to her, No. We'll return to you with your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Have you I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back. Go to your way. I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It's exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. Do you see what she's saying? Like, I don't really understand this in the sense of what we would think. We would think, oh, you know, come with me. Maybe you'll find some good guys at the place I'm going. That's not how they did it. How they did it then, this is what? How many thousands of years ago? It was all about your family line. Everything is about having a future and a line. And so they, they had a line. They were married to, 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 to a young man. And then over them in the in the setup of things is their mother-in-law and her husband, but now he's dead. And so if they're going to have somebody in that line to continue that line, they would have to have the mother-in-law have another child and then that child grow up and that child marry one of them so that a child could be made so that they could have a line that continued the line of what God had made by having them marry into this family. So it's not how we do it. I know. It's how they did it. Everything to them was about continuing the line. And so Naomi's like, I'm really old. It's not going to happen that I have a baby. And then if I have a baby, they're going to wait around 15 years, 20 years, so they can get old enough that you can have a child by that person. Marry them so that the line would continue. Who would it be a line of? Well, for one of them, married to sickly, it would be the line of sickly. To the other one, married to pining, it would be about pining. And he's like, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, not. So they, oh, therefore, go home. You can return, you're, you're, you're widowed, you're, you go home to your own family, and you restart through your family a line. Your mother in your home, with you as their daughter, finds a line that you would then get married to all over again new. That's logical. And why is it particularly logical? Because of her last statement here. Do you see it? The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Say, well, kind of did it to yourself, Naomi. 
Yeah, but it's true. Her, her husband's dead. Her kids are dead. She's got nothing. And now it's not even that she's around where there's a lot of food. She's got to go back to the way she left. All the people saying how unfaithful and horrible she is. She's like, don't come with me. Not only that, honestly, showing up with a couple Moabite women is going to go over great in Israel at the time. Like, what are you not supposed to do? Hang out with Moabite women. Oh, there's Naomi. Who's hanging out with her? Bummer. Okay, so they lifted up their voices. They wept. And this is the second time that Naomi says, no, 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 you need to go. You need to go back. I am like, like, like to me, the only... The only more strong statement you can maybe have, have have happened if you were there, it didn't happen. But I think if she all of a sudden got leprosy, because it'd be like that. Okay. Oprah, Ki- Orpah, sorry. <laughs> you <wanna> make- <laughs> Oprah's not in this story. <laughs> sorry, Oprah. <laughs> this is Orpah. <laughs> Neck. <laughs> Kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law, this is Naomi talking to Ruth. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Go back. It's not, this is not, right? You can clearly see. This is not a statement of our God is strong and will have you. That's not where Naomi's at. She's like, go, get away. Go back to your own gods. God cursed me. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Wow. Uh, It finishes. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Wow. Okay, if you're reading that and you're, you're following so far in the story, you're like, where's that coming from? Like, I need some more backstory on Ruth. What, well, what's her development? What, there, and, and here's the thing. It's not there. This is what? This is a miracle. It's a flat-out miracle. Who is this woman that says that? We don't know. I know nothing about her. I know nothing about her background. And all I know is all of a sudden, Naomi, she doesn't see it. Na- Naomi has this... Moabite woman who was the husband of her dead pasty kid and 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 she says I want to go with you everywhere look what she says here's what she says nothing thanks Ruth it's nice to have a friend no like oh you you really must love God no She said nothing. When Naomi saw she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Now, people take that to mean she didn't keep arguing with her. That's fine. But the actual way that I think it should be taken is she, like, said, fine, whatever. She didn't see this amazing miracle of God because this will be the pathway of ultimate redemption for Naomi. This is amazing stuff, and she doesn't see any of it. She's caught up where God has cursed me. You don't want to be with me. And the, the, the one daughter comes up and says, oh, I'll, I'll go with you. Your God will be my God. I will never leave you. Until that, well, okay, that's like some miraculous thing God's done in the heart of this woman, Ruth. 
because it comes out of nowhere, it comes out of left field. Naomi doesn't receive it. She just walks on back. The two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? I, I want you to see something here. We're, we're getting towards the end of the chapter. It, it's good. They, the two of them, Naomi and Ruth, quietly getting back to Bethlehem. And the whole town is a buzz. Look, man, she looks so different. She's worn down, whatever. And oh, boy, there's a Moabite with her. But when they talk, they don't even mention who? Ruth. Hey, Naomi. Not, hey, you guys. And, and, and it's, it's in the narrative pretty strongly because it says them and they and them. And they. But then when they speak, it's only Naomi. No one addresses Ruth. Ruth is like an outcast, terrible person for to be around in the culture that they're in. And so, and so basically, is this Naomi? And she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Because the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. Husband, kids. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me. And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Uh, except for your daughter-in-law. Who cares? Ignored. She's caught up. She's in her own thing. She sees the horribleness of what's happened to her. And she's like. Very. Very sad. She's bitter. And, and, and the word, you know, the word, right? It's in Exodus 15. It's like when, when the Israelites are coming through the desert and they came out of the desert and they came to this place and they're so thirsty and they come to the water and they go to drink the water. And it was. Undrinkable. That was the waters of Marah. You lead us to water and we can't even drink. What kind of God are you? You hate me. That's what the people said to Moses. Amazing. Very, very similar idea. She's angry at God, right? He controls the food. He controlled what they did, the death and the dying and the lack of children and the horrible poverty and the terrible situation. Go ahead, she says, call me bitter because I am and I have returned. And so Naomi returned. And Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Okay, here we are today. A setting, a cast a logic. The story's not done. We're just, we're just getting started. But I hope you see today why I'm calling this come home. This amazing, incredible way that God, God got this woman to come home. Her story's just starting. She's not happy. She does not consider herself blessed. She is logically bitter at life. And, and maybe you are. You know, sometimes what we, what we think we need, we need this sort of like, oh, come home, like, like have a soft heart and, 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 and be all kind of gin up the joy a little bit because, you know, God is good because we know God's sovereign. God does love. Yeah, he does. I know with my head, but, but, but I don't see it in my life. 
And the way that this book starts, you got to think, that's okay. We know, I've read this book, you know, how many, 30, 40 times. I know what's going to happen. Naomi doesn't. She thinks what's going to happen is she now has a hard and crummy life of God being against her. And, 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 and that's what we do. That's what we do normally. We try and like manage our circumstances when difficult things happen and hard things happen. Some just seem to happen and some of them are, some of them are because we make bad choices. We screw up. Yeah, I'm saying that from the pulpit. Because that's me. I mess it up. We don't see ourselves as pleasant anymore. We see ourselves bitter because we're broken and we're tainted. And sure, you might have a friend or two. You might, and we might have something we still have in our lives. But the overall arc, the, the basic view is that, you know what? There are people who are, who are not doing very well. And I honestly, if you put me in certain situations, I think that of myself. And I act like it's not true. So welcome to our story. And here's the thing. Her story starts with her coming home. Not repentant, not soft, not better, but bitter. I want to tell you something. God can handle that. God handles it all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. He knows your heart. This woman... She calls herself bitter, but she is never referred to as Mara as bitter. The entire letter, this entire book, she is not. She is pleasant to God. God knows what he's doing. And he has a plan for her. She just doesn't see it. He's making her into something. He's going to use her story. He's going to make her part of his story. And that is you and me. And I know that. I know it with all my heart for you and for me. Because he takes people who are nothing in our own eyes and he makes something that is wonderful and he doesn't take you somehow ginning up happiness or joy or some sort of smile. It just takes coming home. Come to where God is. Do you know where he is? He's at a cross where Jesus Christ came and died for you. God left heaven to make you part of his story because you're going to be in his story because we have the promise of the New Testament that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Because he says, I've got you in my hand and if you trust me, I will. <laughs> you don't know the things I'll do. In fact, you don't know. And it doesn't look like much because his works look crummy. But he's God and he loves us. And he's doing amazing things. So, so don't give up on your story, precious church goer. Don't give up because you've made mistakes, that you, you've, you've slipped away, you've, you've, you've messed things up. You've got a God who's got you. There is a Redeemer. He is active. We're going to see it. Read ahead in, Luth, in Ruth. That's great. But for today, would you come home to the only place where there's bread? Bethlehem where Jesus Christ was born. I want to end with this, with this verse. And it's from the book of Job. 
there's a guy who had a great life. But he said this, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And when he stands, he brings you with him. He does it, you guys. You're the most fortunate people who've ever existed that you know this. And we rejoice in the wonder that God is for us. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you've done for us. Thank you for this Old Testament book that we get to look at, this story. Lord, may we understand it, the depth of how you use us in ways we don't even get. Father, we don't deserve you. We are amazed that you have us. We are in awe that you gave your son for us. Help us to trust you this whole life long. In your precious name, amen. Okay, one of our elders.